What a joy to be welcomed into your home. My wife, Sandy, and I, there she is in the black hat there. Uh, we have the joy of leading Park Hill Church down in San Diego with a team that feels like family. It, it, we just immediately feel at home in this atmosphere. So we've never been, like you said, we've been watching from afar and from, from the Insta far. We've been watching, and it's been wonderful to journey. Chris and Meryl have been spiritual father and mother to Sandy and I in a in a in a, in some degrees for us, leading us in our leadership. So yeah, just a joy to be here. Um, so sad, <laughs> Chris is just hurting and recovering and all that. Lord, heal him, heal him rapidly, bring him back uh, to us. But uh, I, Chris asked if I would speak. I guess you're doing a deep dive into certain aspects of what it is to encounter God. And Chris asked if I would just speak briefly and then lead us into this idea of prophetic praise or prophetic worship. Yeah. And um, I was blown away by that last song. I thought Dana may have written it. She passed the buck and said it was written by someone else. But uh, yeah, I don't believe her. I think she wrote it. But but there's that, that line, in your presence, apart, I don't know, how does how's it go? The meaning line. Okay, I like, I like that it's stated negatively, because it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a statement of desperation. There it is. And, and without you, there, I find no meaning. That meaning line, it, that, that line, yeah, yeah, there it is. Without it, speaking of your presence, there's no meaning that statement communicates the task, I believe, of prophetic worship, where, where you are speaking to the deepest longings of people's hearts. People long, I don't know about you, but my, the great lie that I believe is that I'm going to lose my significance. If I, don't, if I don't network with the right people this year, or I don't, you know, if I'm not productive enough, or if I don't write enough songs, or if my sermons don't come off right, I will lose ground, and I will lose significance. It's a lie. I know this. A spiritual director of mine recently just said, Evan, that lie is pretty powerful in you. Like, it's, it's like you don't believe that Jesus is God who came among us to become the most insignificant one so that you would be in, inherently, eternally significant before the Father. It's like you don't believe that. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> Deep down, I have... I, I don't, I don't mean to go deep too quick, but like deep down, that is the lie that I am tempted to believe and then live out of, and then it affects my community, starting with my wife and children. I begin to be not present to them because I'm overworking and then frustrated by the end of my extra work day that I didn't find enough significance. And so, so whatever it is, maybe the lie you believe is unwanted, <laughs> maybe you're unlovable, maybe these are lies, you guys, these are lies in Christ, uh, because we are in Christ and therefore eternally wanted, eternally lovable, if we do not know how to, how to, how to access the presence of God, because you already have access, in Christ you have access, you can boldly come as a child of God into the presence of your Father by the power of the Spirit through the blood of Christ Anytime you want, Hebrews. Uh, but, but because we get these seeds in our head that tell us otherwise, we then live otherwise. And, and the task of prophetic worship, I believe a community does this together, is, is to say this to a, to a broader community. Without, without the presence of God, there is no meaning. And guess what? We're a people carrying his presence. There is meaning here. There is eternal significance here. I am so significant. The deepest longing of my heart is met in Christ. Like, I do not count on a social media algorithm <laughs> to grant me significance before X number of people as they scroll. So that is the task. And so I, I want to kind of just do a whistle-stop tour very, very briefly through, through the story of Israel and then land on one story in, in Matthew 26. Where, where we kind of see all of, this, all of this kind of bear down in one powerful moment at the end of Jesus' earthly ministry. Um, but uh, an, old, an old teacher of mine, a seminary professor, used to say, every sermon begins in Genesis 1, and it's true. So uh, no matter what sermon you're listening to, the bedrock is this story where human was designed to thrive in God's presence. Uh, designed to thrive, not just thrive, but like, absorb the glory of God 
and adore him in return. And as we adore God, there's this prophetic, there's this prophetic reverberation that goes outward toward the one we're not alone with. Our community, and with, with Eve it was Adam, with Adam it was Eve, with you it's your spiritual family here. Uh, we are meant to adore God, and the result of that being this prophetic like, meaning that is preached. The love of the Father is poured out through the Spirit, through, into my heart, into yours. And, and this is how Eden was designed. We took matters into our own hands and fell, and then God continued to pursue in love, and he chose a family of a guy named Abraham, Right, and, and God chose Abraham to be this, this lighthouse of meaning in a, sit, in, a, in a world that was violent, horrible to imagine, the, the area of Canaan. And, uh, and God chose Abraham and Sarah to bring about the impossible, and that was the Messiah who would bless every tribe and tongue, ethnicity and race and family all over the world through this, through this one family. Um, talk about meaning. And to bring this whole family into the, into the triune love that the Father, Son, and Spirit share. This is, this is uh, impossible. But God promised it. In Genesis 12, God promises to make this family great. And, and Abram obeys. Genesis 15, God's like, you still don't believe me. You're still, you're still flirting with lies. So I'm going to take you out. Look at the stars. Have you ever been in the stars in like a nationally known stargazing spot? I finally did last fall. I was, I was actually with Chris in uh, St. George, Utah. And, and just, I could see the Milky Way. I had never seen, I, I'm like, is that a cloud or is it the Milky Way? I grew up in Orange County. I don't know. <laughs> but in St. George, in the deserts out by that, what a mountain between, you know, the north rim of the Grand Canyon and St. George, there's, there's just stars all night long. And the Milky Way is undeniable. And if you know that the Milky Way is like, indistinguishable amounts of stars superimposed against very distinct stars. And so you see this blending of unity and this individuality all at the same time. And God's like, hey, Abram, that's, that's the kind of family I'm creating out of you. Go, go be my family of meaning, unity and diversity. And, and, and Abram's like, all right, I, I, I believe. It literally says, Abraham amened God. That's the word in Hebrew. Abraham believed, the Hebrew word is amen. He amened God. And God's like, that's my kind of guy. That's what it means when God says, I think, I credit that as righteous. He's like, I'm, God's like, I'm righteous, you're righteous. And at that moment, at that moment, Abraham is rediscovering Eden. He's rediscovering what it means to adore and simultaneously reflect. And, and the prophecies, it's that, this is the prophetic call. And, and then in Genesis 18, <laughs> God's like, now here's what I ask. I ask that that reflection is concrete, that you pray for Ukraine. I ask that you actually do justice in Orange County. You do tangible acts of care for the orphan, the widow, and the oppressed. Will you do this? Abraham covenants that he will. I will teach my children to do this. God's like, this is my kind of guy. Meaning-making, prophetic worship. It's all these things, you guys. This is, all, this is all prophetic worship. Until finally, the climax of Abraham's story is actually horrific. You know what it is. It's this moment when we hope God would never ask us to do this, right? We hope God would never ask us to sacrifice our firstborn son. Um, but God does this to show Abraham he's not like the bloodthirsty demon gods around him. I am not like them. You, 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 you think you know your culture and you think you know me. I'm going to tell you how different I am than your culture by using your culture against your idea of me. And so he says, go sacrifice your son. Abram's like, I trust, I've trusted Yahweh. I'm going to keep trusting Yahweh. And in the act of trusting Yahweh through an impossible circumstance, God says, that's my kind of guy. And God stands in for Abraham himself as a lamb. So, and, and what that says to us is that built into prophetic worship is always looking towards the lamb that will be slain. Um, for the old covenant saints, it was the lamb that will be slain. For us, it's the lamb that was slain. And it's the same song. It's the same prophetic praise. So we have faith that God will do the impossible, faith that he will do justice and love, we will be his presence in the world, and then ultimately, faith that God himself will become everything we need to be, uh, everything we need him to be uh, through Jesus on the cross. So... 
So I actually think Abram and Abraham, same guy, I think he is the ultimate story of prophetic worship in general. Every God worshiper through all of the story of scripture, including Jesus, is following Abraham's example. Everyone has those four dynamics of faith and trust and looking to the cross. And, and so, you know, the first worship song in scripture, do you know what it is? It's prophetic because it's reflecting back to God what he just did to rescue and saying he's gonna keep doing it. He's gonna keep doing it. It's this moment, it's actually a woman, Miriam, and uh, Women's History Month, anybody? So, uh, yeah, so this is legit women's history. First worship leader in the Bible is Miriam. And uh, she, she leads Israel with tambourines and instruments to celebrate God's victory over the impossible. And that's the first song. And when we get to the Psalms, Israel has developed. Israel is no longer a nomadic, wandering nation. Israel is now, well, <laughs> it's been through multiple kings, and now they're being carried off to exile for repeat sin. They used to have this cool thing called a temple where God would meet them. The temple's been destroyed by Babylon. They're carried off into Babylon. They don't have a temple anymore. They're like, where will we find meaning? Where will we find, where will be God, where can we go to meet with God and be in his presence and remind ourselves who we are? And, and so they have a bunch of Psalms from King David and they compose a bunch of new ones, sons of Korah, sons of Asaph, these prophetic worshipers. And they compile them into this book we now have in our laps called the Psalms, 150 of them that shaped Jesus's prayer life. And this book of Psalms became this literary temple where they could enter they could open they could open the temple and they could literally enter the psalms from exile and prophetically meet with god and be his people of light in the world and i think that was a, a, a foretelling of of the church in you name it america north korea sudan japan ukraine russia saints crying out for peace being meaning makers all over the world, we have, we have this, this strong unity that transcends nationality. It transcends ethnicity. And, and we're united when we come to the God of the Psalms, who did all of this grand stuff in history, and we believe he'll do it again. Um, and so, and so, so this is our legacy, you guys. This is how our family has been the family of presence and family of meaning and significance. And then, and then you get to God himself coming among us. And he did everything Abraham did and more. He was faithful to the promises that God said, hey, you be my faithful son, I will be your faithful God. And Jesus did it. He lived faithfully. And, um, and he began to invite a new family, create a new, fam create a new family. And... <laughs> when the family began to grow after Jesus was crucified and rose from the dead, the family started to look different than just a bunch of Jews, right? And that caused a lot of problems. And so Gentiles and Jews, different languages, tongues, all these things were starting to kind of stir into the soup. And people were like, we're going to lose our identity. Like, where's, where's the thing? Where's the meaning? Where's the prophecy? And so... Uh, Paul starts writing letters, calling people back to the Psalms. And in Colossians and in Ephesians, we have this line that goes like this. Be not drunk with wine. Be filled with the Spirit, as evidenced by speaking and singing to one another in Psalms and in hymns and in spiritual songs, making melody in your hearts and to the Lord. So if you are doing the Abraham stuff, which Jesus mastered by the power of the Spirit and calls us to do by the power of the Spirit, then we will be the body of Jesus that is speaking to one another who God is, what he's done, reflecting God's own character to him, absorbing God's glory, and then reverberating his glory out to one another through prophecy. Um, that just happened right before I talked. I feel like, you know, Dana and the, team, the band, they just kind of did this teaching in motion uh, already. We're gonna do it again in a few moments. Um, but this idea that we gather here to do 
to do the Abraham thing, to, rem to remind ourselves by adoring God and committing to do all that God told Abraham to do and Jesus did, justice and mercy and loving one another. Um, this is the act of prophetic praise. And now we're gonna go to a story in Jesus' life. It all builds up to this moment where we see it all kind of come together in one moment, again, around a woman who, um, yeah, who Jesus said some really cool things about. So if you go to Matthew 26, this was before the darkest moment in Jesus' life, at least in Matthew's retelling of the cross. Matthew gets dark in chapter 26. But before the darkness, there's this moment where one woman has it all and brings it all to Jesus and ties all the threads of prophecy and worship together and, and Jesus gets edified. Jesus gets built up. Remember, in 1 Corinthians 14, what's the, what's the purpose of prophecy? We're not doing a deep dive in prophecy tonight, so I'll just leave it on the surface here, but prophecy in the New Covenant community is, is words from the Spirit for others, for the building up of the church that looks like comfort, encouragement, and love. Comfort, encouragement, building up. It's for building up. And we see, we see this woman doing this for Jesus in his moment of greatest Greatest need. His friends are about to abandon him. Um, I mean, if you read the rest of chapter 26 tonight, it'll be very depressing. But just, just know it starts with this moment. Matthew 26, verse 6. When Jesus was in Bethany in the home of Simon the leper, a woman came to him with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume, which she poured on his head as he was reclining at the table. So just Pause. These visceral scenes are worth like really soaking in. In a time when women were secondary citizens at best to males, a woman enters this room, which was likely all males, leaning back on their left shoulder. They still eat like this. I've been to Saudi Arabia once and they had us you eat, you lean back on your on your left shoulder and you eat everything with your right shoulder and everything's really intimate because there's no chairs and if you're eating a meal on the floor on pillows, it's just all there. Like we're all just together, you know. And so it's a bunch of men in robes just kind of laying around and, and this woman enters. There's no sign she's invited. She just boldly enters the room and she comes with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume which she poured on Jesus' head as he was reclining at the table. When the disciples saw this, they were indignant. Why this waste? They asked. This perfume could have been sold at a high price and the money given to the poor. Very pious. We find out elsewhere this was Judas making this suggestion with ill intent to steal the money. Um, so verse 10 Jesus never says stuff like this, not in the Gospels, but I think he says stuff like this over many of you. Uh, it's very unique in the Gospels. Verse, verse 10, aware of this, aware of what's going on, very present to the room, Jesus says to them, why are you bothering this woman? She has done a beautiful thing to me. Where else does Jesus say that? Oh, this person has done a beautiful thing to me. It's done to him. He receives this act as beautiful into himself. This is, this is Abraham under the stars and God saying, I'll bless you. I'll make your name great. Will you trust me? And Abraham saying, amen. Doesn't make sense against all the odds. Amen. And God's like, oh, my kind of guy. This, this man acts, thinks, talks like me. It's beautiful. This woman is doing this to me. And then he says, the poor you will always have with you, but you will not always have me. When she poured this perfume on my body, she did it to prepare me for burial. What is she doing? She, she's intentionally preparing Jesus for the cross and resurrection. This is Abram up on the mountain, 
God will provide himself a sacrifice. I'm going to trust him. I'm going to walk up this mountain and realize there will be much sacrifice, but I know that somehow God will step in and take the sacrifice. He will, he will stand in for me. I'm looking to the cross. Abram's as best as he can in his 2,000 years before the cross mindset, as best as he can. He's looking to the cross with all that he has. This woman is doing exactly the same thing. Jesus says so. Truly, I tell you, it says she's doing this to prepare me for burial. It's like Abram walking up the mountain with his son and with not a ram, but with God and preparing God for some kind of death, trusting that God will stand in. And look at this line. This is it. This, is, this gets me in, my, in the lies I believe about my own insignificance. Look at this. Truly, I tell you, wherever this gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. So Jesus is prophetically ministered to. His soul is built up. He's comforted. He's encouraged. Jesus has a very good idea of what's about to take place. His abandonment, not just of his feelings of abandonment about, you know, my God, my God, but my friends, my friends. He knows what's coming. It's going to get very dark. And this, this woman builds him up. This is prophecy. Uh, 1 Corinthians talks a lot about love. And one of the climactic moments of 1 Corinthians is, is this, this huge chunk of how to prophesy, chapter 14. And it's all about knowledge puffs you up, but love builds them up. Knowledge puffs up, love builds up. Paul does this thing. He hammers this home, and he won't let up on it. Chapter 13 of 1 Corinthians, he's like, if you have knowledge, if you have all the right answers, if you have all the right news articles to send to your mom about current events, and you have all the things in a row, then listen, knowledge will puff you up. Love will build my kingdom up. Love will build. Love builds. Do the love. And, and this, this is what is happening to Jesus from this woman. She's not necessarily setting her reason aside, but she's risking her neck in a, in a, in a very um, non-calculated fashion. But she wants to be where the meaning is, in your presence. Without it, there's no meaning. And so I'm giving everything in your presence, Lord. And the result is Jesus the human, Jesus the human. He's also God, but Jesus the human is built up. This is what happens when we come here, not, not, not as consumers, but as contributors to a conversation the Spirit is having with the church. I come here going, I, I have something, it costs me to come. It's a, you know, it's a Sunday afternoon in sunny, in, I almost said San Diego, sunny Orange County. It's a terrible thing to waste. You know, the disciples, why this waste? Why aren't you having a late brunch mimosa right now? You know. Why are we giving of ourselves day in and day out for the building of his church and praying for things we hope, I don't know, who knows if our prayers are effective. The world looks on and says, what are you praying for? We're pouring out our perfume. And as we, as we begin the gathering, we're, we're turning to someone we don't even know and praying for Ukraine. Where does this happen on planet Earth? Bringing a sacrifice. Of, and, and what's happening, you guys, is Jesus is being glorified. The Father's being glorified. But... But prophecy is happening. Love is building the church. Um, <laughs> and that last line, it crucifies my lust for perverted significance. He says, what she has done will be told as long as the gospel is preached. And guess what? There's a version of this story in all four gospels. You cannot say that about most Jesus stories. There's only a handful of Jesus stories that made it into all four. And in all four, there is a woman. The Luke one plays out a little differently, might be another event. But in the other three, there is a woman. She brings a jar. She makes men mad. She pours out this really expensive stuff. And Jesus says something like, this is wild and will be remembered and will be honored alongside the gospel. She will be by, na by name honored alongside the gospel. This is what happens when prophetic praise is allowed to thrive and flourish in a community. And, and so uh, 
I would encourage you. How, how many of you step into Genesis going, I am prepared with this perfume. I have it for someone. I, am go- I know it's important to come and go, I really need, I really need refreshment. We need that, 100%. It's great. Come here, be refreshed. What a beautiful community to just come and drink deeply of the presence of God together. But also, I have this offering to bring. And it's not necessarily a song. It's not necessarily money, although I'll totally bring that. Like, it, this off, it's a, I have this name in my mind, this name and, and this nebulous idea of, of trauma or a problem. And I don't know, maybe I'm just going to have my antenna up and see what happens. Do you all come with this, it's costly <laughs> because you step in and you cross the line. And it's like, oh, sorry, that was, I was way off. I, I <laughs> stepped into a room full of dudes as a woman with perfume and I, this was the wrong room or whatever. That could have happened to this woman. And that could happen to us. But my goodness, Abram looked up at the stars and this doesn't make sense. That's going to be the number of my family. I'm 90 years old. But against all the odds, I amen you, God. I, I, I'm just going to amen you. And it's going to look like an amen to my neighbor and to lifting them up. So, so if we could, we're going to move into a time of song. And just begin even asking the Spirit right now. Holy Spirit, what is it that you've shown me about who you are that, that is meant to overflow? It's meant to overflow from me onto someone else in some way. Um, just begin thinking that way. And, you know, it's always fun in the first time in a group like this to, to just go deep in a moment of worship. We're going to do that. But however you feel comfortable, maybe it's standing, maybe seated, maybe it's going straight to that person that God has had on your heart for the last 15 minutes. And just say, can I pray this over you? You don't even need a word. You just have, can I have your name? And you pray their name and you pray the thing. Or sometimes it's just, Holy Spirit, come over this person, pour out your love on this person right now. That's it. You don't need to do anything if God's doing something. So how, how is God going to stir up the gifts in this, in this night? So Holy Spirit, would you come? Would you bring, would you bring that Abrahamic blessing to us, Lord, that, that faith that causes us to amen you? We sang it already. You're, you're faithful. You're steadfast. But Lord, bring it a little deeper into our bones tonight. Bring it a little deeper and use us to do that for others. That's what prophecy does. We have knowledge. It can make us prideful. It can puff us up. But love builds. Animate our love right now, God. So for 30 seconds, just sit in his presence in stillness. Say, Holy Spirit, come. And allow the Lord to bring a scripture or a picture or a name to the surface of your mind. the oldest prayer oldest prayer in the book Holy Spirit come
for your people. God, you have a people for your temple. You live here. This is where you live. Built with living stones on the rock, Jesus. So now move among us. As you feel led, as you've been praying, as you've been seeking the Spirit, if you sense the Spirit leading you to pray for someone, to go to someone and begin quote-unquote singing over them, listening to God's heart, telling the truth to them about who we are in Christ.
a pre-service prayer meeting, just like you guys do. We have a pre-service prayer meeting in our, in our church. And this morning, someone had a word uh, for today. They just said it was for today. So I think it might be for maybe th this too, that, that the Holy Spirit desires to move mightily on the fringes. So some, there might be some, some lies, some belief in this room that like, Belonging and unwantedness is a real issue. Uh, and the Holy Spirit wants to remind you who the, who the Father is, what he does. How he brings the destitute and the barren. And uh, Sarah, the mother of many nations, just seemingly fruitless until the most fruitful person in the world she became. And, and God wants to bring, the Spirit wants to move powerfully amongst those who maybe are comfortable at arm's distance. God wants to break that comfort, make you very uncomfortable not being close. I don't know what that means. I wanted to be faithful to throw that out there. And, and Holy Spirit, would you now just draw daughters and sons into a deeper awareness of what a, what a true father looks like? You, God. Maybe it's through prayer with someone or or naming this with someone. Lead us to one another. Lead us in this God. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame. But holy trust in Jesus' name. It's in Christ alone. Christ alone. Cornerstone. You are weak, made strong in the Savior's love. Through the
fresh on us Come wake us from our sleep Blow through the caverns of our souls Pour in us to overflow Reveal God's love Sing awake together one new family around yourself where we submit all our identities and cultures and families of origin we submit it to your feet you don't erase who we are you you glorify who we are and you give us a primary identity as children of God thank you Lord may this be the message we carry full of meaning full of healing that we're no longer slaves to fear child of God. Yeah. I'm no longer Lift your 
given us victory. Your sacrifice has brought victory for us. Where we could never have found victory for ourselves, you've brought it, God. This is the first song that's the new song of all the people of God. They sang it on the other side of the Red Sea, and we're singing it here. You split the sea so I could walk right through it. Fill the room with praise. Thank God. 
God for who's around you. Thank God for the Holy Spirit around you and your brothers and sisters around you. How God has saved you. Just sing these things to Him. Let boldness arise. Let boldness arise. saints before us agreeing with God in the moments of impossibility we agree with God in the moments where his promises don't add up it doesn't doesn't match the odds he is faithful so we say amen just like Abraham did under the stars we sing all oh. 